one. And then as soon as I see it's good, we're going to get it popping. All right. All right, guys. This is the Legacy Liftoff episode four, where Tom and I and my brother, we're going to be breaking down the book three feet from gold. Tom, how are you doing today? I am good. How are you today, brother? I'm great, Tom. It's always a pleasure. It's uh, cold and gloomy here in Philly, but I'm hoping you're doing well overall, brother. Let's get into this week's book, man. How did you feel about Three Feet from Gold by Napoleon Hill? You know, I actually really liked it. It was one of the few books that uh, I thoroughly enjoyed going through. You know, I feel as though the nuggets of wisdom, or it's funny because that's what the uh, the book calls them all the time, nuggets. Yeah. Like I feel as though the nuggets of wisdom that were dropped were like, you know, awesome. I think it it had a lot in there to help people kind of find inspiration mm. and just kind of learn from other people who've gone through a struggle and kind of get through that hurdle. So I, I think it was a really good book in that sense. What about you? What do you think? I agree, man. There was a lot of nuggets, like you say, a lot of um, tidbits and just points that really hit home with me in general. Um, we can start off right now, man, maybe with one of your top... Well, what was the top one that you felt... Um, that, you know, the listeners should definitely just open up to. How can we open this up in a way that's very powerful for our listeners? So I think we can start with um, a theme that kind of is recurring not only in the book, but in the self-help space itself, and it's finding your own purpose, mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's important, as everyone kind of says, it's important to find your purpose and know what you're kind of doing and kind of develop and run towards that but i feel as though you know that doesn't come as easy to everyone not everyone can easily pick a purpose and just hone in and decide on what their purpose in life is it's i feel as though the book made it very they, they boiled down a very difficult thing to do and made it seem very very simple yeah which you know could be a good thing or a bad thing but i feel as though it's hard to kind of narrow down your purpose what, what do you think I agree, man. Uh, I've mentioned to you previously, Tom, that one of my biggest struggles in life has been just, it's not the motivation ever, right? I'm always very motivated and ambitious, but it's just finding and, and really just like directing your energy towards that why, like you said, right? Like that, right. that true passion and purpose of yours, right? And I don't know, man. I feel like, yes, the book does uh, really sum it that like dumbs it down a little bit and makes it sound simpler than it is. But I think in reality, it's actually a really big it's a big uh, challenge for people to find that purpose, you know? Yeah, and I feel as though some people kind of just, you know, run through life without really finding their purpose or thinking they have, and it's not really it. Yeah. And it's, I don't know whether it's the mindset of the society we've kind of, like, grown accustomed to, or if it's just, just don't know, you know? Yeah. Kind of, like, without thinking about it or whether you're thinking about, you know, pleasing society or your family or like doing what others expect you to do and you think that's your purpose at the end of the day because it's oh because what what do you what what do you define purpose as that's how would i define purpose yeah it, i guess it's hard right it's it's Right. Even though it's one word and everybody should be like, there should be like a, a understood definition of what it is. In my opinion, it's basically your why. Um, what drives you, right? When you don't want to, when you don't want to get up, when you don't want to, um, how do I say it? When you don't want to do the things that you have to do, 
it's your why. It's it it's the reoccurring theme that's in your life that pushes you to I guess go to the next level. Even even though your body may not be like capable of doing so, you might be tired, you know, you might be um unmotivated, but it's that why essentially. For me anyway. How about you? Would you describe it the same? Would you describe it differently? See, I feel as though your purpose, this just ties us back uh, to last week's episode a little bit with Seth Speaks, and I feel as though your purpose is kind of, it's undefined, you know what I mean? I feel as though purpose can be fluid. Mm. Like, it, like innately, it can be something you think, it could be a goal or a dream that you, you know, want to accomplish today, but then tomorrow you could, I like, if you think of it, it's a series of goals, you know, your purpose yeah. is just a series of goals, and you, you're going through it to accomplish each goal. Like you can have purpose in doing one thing today, tomorrow, next week for the year. But is that, you know what I mean? It's like you kind of get through it, do what you need to do. And then your purpose can clearly shift to something different. So are we describing perhaps passion versus purpose then? I mean, can't you use, uh, wouldn't you... Okay, so tell me if you disagree that your passion and your purpose are essentially two sides of the same coin. I you think they're slightly different. In in my opinion, I think they're slightly different. And I only say that I think they're slightly different because, like you said, passions, like, you can be passionate about many things, right? Whereas right. a purpose, in my opinion, is more like, it doesn't necessarily have to be one thing, but it is your one reason, your one, like I said, like that's, I kind of, I guess that's why I keep defining in my head. It's my why. It's that one reason that I'm pushing day by day. Whereas my passion, it's like, well, I could be passionate about basketball. I could be passionate about the legacy liftoff, but it doesn't necessarily mean the legacy liftoff or basketball is my purpose, you know? Right. So would you say your purpose essentially defines you? Like, what, I, is that what uh, you kind of say? In a sense, yes. But then, I don't know. It's just, like I said, it's one of those things where you and I, we can have very different definitions, right. you know, very, very different definitions. And that can be not just you and I, but anybody. Like, we can all define it very differently, you know? Because yeah, um, I feel as though when I think purpose, I mean, just just while we're on this subject, we yeah. move on after this real quick. It feels like your purpose can, it's just, it's me. Purpose is meaning to me, you know what I mean? Yeah. And meaning and everything is objective and can just change. That's why I tie it to being the same side like the same thing with passion like they're two two sides of the same coin you know you can have a purpose to do something like something could be your purpose if, but if you don't have passion it doesn't it doesn't matter you know mm -hmm. what I mean? vice versa you can have passion to do something but if there's no purpose to it i guess it, it fits in with your why like you know it's it's if there's no point in doing it even if you're passionate about it or if there's no means to accomplish it okay I'm actually starting to talk myself into agreeing with you. So. <laughs> I mean, like I said, there's no right or wrong. It's definitely like right. how you describe it to yourself, right? Because I right. do think it's a very individual thing. Like, I couldn't tell you what your purpose is. You couldn't tell me what my purpose is. And only we can define our own, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, I, I mean, that does tie heavily into the book. Um, especially with Greg and him figuring out his purpose, right? Because he was very, very lost throughout the, basically in the entire book. It wasn't until the very last chapter, if I'm not mistaken, where it finally hit him like, yo, like this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Let me, uh, let me draw your attention to this then since like, uh, 
it, it kind of ties together since we, we're talking about Greg throughout the whole book and how he tried to find his purpose. And ultimately, his purpose was to create this book that we read or, yeah. uh, in our sense, listen to through Audible. Mm-hmm. So his purpose was to convey a message, right? So throughout the uh, the story, something that came up was the uh, the formula to success, right? Which is the sum of passion, talent, time, association, and action. So maybe this is where I get confused with passion and purpose because, well, like I said, they both kind of go together, you know? So the formula to success means if you take all that and combine it, you get success. So let me ask you this question. Is finding your purpose success or is success a byproduct of your purpose? I would say the latter. Success yeah. is a byproduct of your purpose because yeah. I think you can go you can go your whole life chasing or pursuing what it is that you believe is your purpose. And from the outside perspective, you could be failing, right? You could not be successful. But for instance, if I am, for instance, like me and my motivational messages all the time, as long as, as long as I'm doing what I believe is my purpose, it doesn't really matter if people perceive it to be successful or not. Right. It's, it's like I said, so it's, it's very individualistic as opposed to like, um, something that somebody is open to interpretation. It's really just how you feel about it. You know? Yeah. I, I kind of agree. Um, because I know the book talks heavily about that. Um, going through it, just knowing like what the reason is versus yeah. believing what the reason is. Right. It's actually really interesting that you say it like that. Because if you know what to do, you know what I mean? If you know that is the answer, it doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down and how many times you get pushed off your path. If you know your end goal, basically, you know, if you mm-hmm. know what you want, what you're trying to say. You know you're right. Just moving towards that direction, you know. which brings me to um, something else that I noticed as a reoccurring theme in the uh, book: perseverance. What do you think about perseverance? Because I feel as though that could be very subjective to people. Mm-hmm. Although it feels like it's a universal definition, just kind of getting through everything. You know, the power to you know get through the tough times. But w- what's your take on on perseverance and how it kind of developed throughout the book? Um, so firstly, the way it developed throughout the book, I think it was necessary for Greg, for all of the people who shared their stories. It was a very huge factor in their successes. Almost every one of them, actually, there was not one person where they didn't mention their story and it didn't resonate with perseverance. Now on my personal take, perseverance is the single thing that you can control in regards to factors within your life that will lead you to success in anything that you chase, right? Whether it be uh, taking a test, whether it be, um, I don't know, getting getting success in business, in, in life, in a relationship. Perseverance literally can drive you to success in any passion, in any battle you have. You know what I mean? Um, it's necessary, man. It's necessary. People who don't persevere, they they quit too early. They give up. They, they, they don't see it through and they give up before they reach gold, you know, three feet before gold, man. It's, it's about perseverance, you know? I think that's basically, if I were to sum it up, the key to the book, the, the main symbol, the main message is perseverance. No, I, like, I would agree. I think perseverance is a, a very underlying message of the book, and they try to portray it in such a way that, you know, but for perseverance, you know, I might have not got th- okay so this is actually really interesting this is what something i just thought of so in the book they mentioned 
perseverance a lot and they mentioned faith a lot right mm-hmm. do you think there's a difference yes um i think they're different because perseverance i think of it as like stamina right the ability to continue to keep standing up when you're being knocked down that's perseverance in my opinion whereas um faith is the belief that regardless like i guess the belief that regardless of what happens to you it's it's gonna happen it's meant to be it's for you already you know what i'm saying so i guess it's it's they play hand in hand but they're separate when i look at them you know do, do you agree? I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. For the most part, I think I agree. It's just thinking about, you know, the difference between perseverance and faith. Something that came up, um, in my mind at least, what related to uh, our, our second episode when we read, read David and Goliath, where they talk about near remoteness. Mm-hmm. This is what I feel is it's they kind of, a near and remoteness kind of play hand in hand with like perseverance and faith. Yeah. Just, just to expand on that, I guess it's um. So like with a remote miss, basically, if you come out of a dangerous situation, you're unscathed. You're just you feel like Teflon. Nothing can defeat you, and you can just keep on going through all of the tough times, right? So you mm-hmm. believe at that point is that. So it's like taking that analogy, right? Like this is where I think perseverance and faith kind of blend in together. It's because you can persevere through the tough times because you believe in yourself after getting out of a tough situation. So I thought like, you know, I feel as though they might be, they, they can diverge, but I feel as though they, they more go, they're more mutually exclusive than than I think, at least I I think they're almost one and the same. Cause if you, if you believe that you can get through a tough time, you know, that's the same thing as you getting through the tough time. You know what I mean? I feel as though there's not a, a but for like, but for I believed in myself, I managed to get out or because I got out now I can believe I can get out again. I think they're just, I, I think they're just the same thing, but just slightly different giving the context and scenario. I agree. I think, um, when I was thinking of it before, I definitely would separate them. But in the scenario you just gave with David and Goliath, I, I would agree too. They definitely blend in there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, something I, I wrote this down. Um, it, it We touched on it real quick earlier, but so the book talks about the difference between believing something and knowing something, right? I, I just wanted to get your take and opinion on that. Like, what do you think? What do you th- one? I know what he like, we both know what he meant because he explains it. But what do you think that means? Like that line itself? it's tough man i think about stuff like this all the time um i guess like the belief in something like similar like the belief in yourself right like it's something that you hope is um is positive i guess like you i believe that i don't know it's it's meant for me to be xyz a motivational speaker let's just give an example right i believe i'm supposed to be a motivational speaker it's almost like a manifestation in my opinion right Whereas, like, if I know it, it's like, I know. It's not only a manifestation when I'm saying I know that I'm a motivational speaker. It's like I'm living and breathing. I'm, I'm not only speaking it into existence. It's, it's almost like I'm hardwiring myself and for you to say, hey, like, yeah, he's a motivational speaker just through my attitude. But similar to, like, perseverance and um, or the conversation we just had, it kind of blends a little bit. They're very different definitions, but they do blend in most scenarios, you know? I it's tough. So, 
It is. I feel as though, is this, would you agree it might be the difference between vocalizing something and not vocalizing something? Yes. Like, you can internally believe in something. Oh, even you can internally know something, but I feel as though when you know something, you want to, like, be vocal about it. You want to be like, no, like, that's wrong, this is right, or, you know, I'm this, I'm that, versus subconsciously believing in something. Is it takes more of a, a back burner instead of a more forward approach. Yeah. Which is, I think, something the book kind of alludes to a little bit. You know, you can believe in whatever you want. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But the difference is, is like, but if you know it's true, it's more concrete, more cement, more, more, there's more of a foundation there if you know something. You know, I know that I can do this versus I, it's basically I know versus I think, you know? Yeah. I think this might happen. I think. And when you start thinking too much, it leads to the cycle of overthinking, and then you get get into the muddy waters, versus just affirmatively coming out of the gate, pounding your chest, going, "Yeah, I know this." Like, oh, whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Maybe it's a confidence thing. Uh, it's something I took out of it. It's like being confident in yourself to make certain decisions in your life. I agree. Uh, it's almost like a level of certainty. Like, uh, one is certainty. One is for certain. One is not for certain. You know? Right. Yeah. I agree. Uh, what do you want to get into next, man? You want to get into the the three feet from gold story, like literally the the portion yeah. of that story? Yeah. Yeah, I was just about to ask you if you want you wanted to talk about that. Um, yeah, I think I we we mentioned it a little bit. Um, how the one picture every time we think about being three feet from gold or being so close to success and never giving up is uh the picture we see on Instagram <laughs> with the two miners digging towards the the pile of diamonds at the end, mm -hmm. and one guy is almost there, and and then he throws his axe on his shoulder and just keep like turns around and just gives up you know what i mean while the guy on top is still chugging and plugging away and he's like about to strike and get all the diamonds um i think that's very important this, this again ties right back into perseverance really you know it's kind of getting through all the obstacles and the tough, tough times and i think the book really tries to emphasize that you should focus on your end goal more so than anything Mm -hmm. So like you shouldn't worry about everything in between, but you should focus about not the how you're going to get there, but why do you want to get there? You know, mm -hmm. would you agree? It's funny that you state that because I didn't really think that before. Like you basically just fed that idea into my head, right? I wasn't really thinking that before. Um, however, I think like that is the, the notion that the book was pushing, but I do disagree with that mindset a little bit because me personally, I'm more of like a, it doesn't matter the end goal. Some like, I guess my mindset is sometimes the person you become, the experiences that you experience on the journey sometimes is more important than the actual end goal. So it, which is a little bit like flip of what you're saying, right? So like, basically what you're saying is like, sometimes you need to just forget about the in-between Keep that why and that that purpose and go straight to the goal. And sometimes I'm saying like, well, sometimes you might get to the end goal and, and realize that that whole journey is what was worth it. That whole journey, similar to the quote I told you before about Inky Johnson. He was just basically saying like the person you're becoming, the, the trials and tribulations, those experiences are sometimes more fruitful than actually achieving the goal. You know, once you get to the goal, you might be like, oh, that's it. Kind of like uh, when we were talking about the shaders, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I agree so i agree and then kind of disagree with that because mm -hmm. like without a clear end goal in mind you know it's you can't get there you know it yeah. doesn't matter like 
sure you can learn on the journey yeah and, um figure everything out as you go but if you don't know where you're going you're kind of just you know you're just there you're just there along for the ride i guess you know it's i feel as though you need whether your end goal maybe calling it an end goal isn't isn't the best way to categorize it maybe it's just what you're trying to achieve at that given point you know what i mean right if you're trying to get to point a point b like point b is your destination you're you should be concerned with how how to get to point b not how you know not everything in between as in you know you know what car i'm going to take to get to point b how long is it going to take me to get to point b who am I taking with me to get to point B? Yeah, that's what I mean when like all the things in between. You know what I mean? Because all those things in between can serve as distractions. Just kind of like the idea of perseverance. If you're if you're more worried and thinking about the distractions, you're not really thinking about getting to point B anymore. You know what I mean? Like point B is now like your your secondary thought. You're more worried about, you know, oh, do we have enough gas? Oh, like are are we gonna get stuck somewhere? Do I really want to be in a car? for 12 hours with steve like mm -hmm. you know it, it starts getting in the, in that sense i think it starts getting muddy and that's what what kind of derails a lot of people when it comes to achieving what they set out to achieve kind of like what i was saying in the beginning people start can't identify their purpose because they're too worried about like pleasing the masses society their family and that's what i mean like that's a distraction so mm -hmm. would, would you still disagree with me on that notion or is I wouldn't say I disagree with you. I think I agree with what you're saying. I just think um, they're both like both of the perspectives are positive. You know what I mean? Uh, I guess like when I'm thinking thinking about the stuff in between, I'm not necessarily thinking about the distractions or anything like that. I'm more thinking about like just the positive outlook on the journey getting there. That's all. So I don't I don't disagree with you at all. Actually, um, I do agree with you. I guess it's just another way of looking at. How do you perceive the benefits of your journey, right? That's all it is. Right. That's all. Right. Which, okay, which kind of leads to, I think, something that was talked, talked, mentioned in the book. The idea of not planning. Right? Do you remember that? I do. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Because I feel as though it kind of ties in with what, maybe that might just clear up what we're kind of talking about. Because I, now that I'm thinking about it, I feel as though... What I'm thinking about feels more like the planning route that the the book kind of talked about. You know what I mean? And yours is kind of like the opposite of not the opposite, but like why you shouldn't plan. Mm -hmm. You know? So you want to elaborate on it a bit? On the not planning aspect of the book, or in general, that that whole notion that that was mentioned. Yeah, it's kind of going over my head right now. Maybe better if you if you go over it and then I feed off of it. Go. So like the whole the whole notion when Greg sat down, I forgot exactly who he was interviewing, but the the premise was uh, how did he get to the point in which he got? And he basically said, you know, don't plan, don't mm -hmm. plan ahead, you know, just know what you have to do or just know where you want to go. Because if you start planning everything, you start to get you start to get distracted when things don't go as planned. This is what you're talking about with having blinders on. Yeah. You know, if you want to just stick to the plan, you're not going to learn anything. You're not going to gain any other opportunities. You're just doing everything by the plan. You're not improvising. You're not picking up key pieces of information or experiences that you should be picking up on. You're more concerned with, say, if something does go wrong on the plan, right? Mm -hmm. You're more concerned now with how to 
steer it back onto the the right path that it's supposed to be so i guess the like so that's the notion of the plan versus not plan and i think we're both we're both from what you're saying it's both a positive insight to it it's just we're talking about just two two separate sides of it you know yeah almost like a parallel you know parallel positive traits yeah so okay um i can speak a little bit on that Uh, i think it's just another perspective so the the Here's the great thing about this book. There was a lot of different insight from different perspectives, right? So it was great because all of these successful people, as 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 clearly as we can see, they're all successful, but they all had very different journeys. They all had very different tribulations on the way there, and they all offered different advice. And I, I want to say the author of this book, in a sense, did that purposely, right? Like, I'm sure there were people who said similar things within their... their um, they're mentioning of their success and how they got there. But essentially, like this guy is saying, hey, man, just go with the flow, right? Just go with the flow. Have like a general plan. But in the end of the day, like don't focus so much on the plan because then you're going to be discouraged. Then you're going to possibly uh, lose sight of focus, you know, whatever the case may be. Just kind of go with the flow and figure it out as you go. And I, I think that's definitely a, a good way to approach life, too, sometimes. Maybe not for me. But maybe for somebody else, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like some somebody that might benefit or maybe at different times of your life, you may need this this method, right? This method might benefit you more where like, oh, you feel like you're really stressed out or something like that. Maybe fall back a little bit and, and take some of that advice, you know? I agree. No, I tend to. I think I agree with that. It just being another potential outlook or perspective on how you should approach things because so something that they mention a lot is having a like a strong supporting foundation surrounding yourself with the right people right Mm. and that's that kind of really tied into a lot of what's going on you become who you surround yourself with ultimately Mm -hmm. if you surround yourself with success you're going to ultimately want to you know emulate that you know you you want to be a part of success and then just positive vibes all around you know what i mean and the contra to it is if you surround yourself with a lot of negative people, you're just going to have a negative outlook on everything. And you're just always going to want to drag and, you know, blame and point the finger and just kind of do the exact opposite. Yeah. Which which brings me to something I know towards the end of the book that was mentioned by the author and one of his mentors um, when he was basically <laughs> getting discouraged because nobody was uh, no one wanted to publish this book, basically. Mm. And the thing that they call PMA which is a positive mental attitude, mm-hmm. right? I think this this is where this kind of like relates in very, very having the right support. So I think it's twofold. Having the right support group, right? Can the world to you. But if you're not in the right frame of mind to kind of take that support, that can ultimately derail you as well. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. What do you think? Um, I agree, man. And it's funny because every time we read these books and we go through some of these... um these passages so to speak i think about like real life experiences and i think about how i've implemented this without even knowing i implemented it um it's very true who you hang out with who you associate with the basically the the most time you spend with the five most people around your life is going to determine you know how you do how your mindset is your income to a certain extent your um your success in business in life like it, it really matters and um just to speak a little bit more on um, the PMA in general, like there are some people who, even if they surround themselves with the, the right five people, if they're not in the right mindset to receive the blessings that they're trying to get, they won't receive it. Right. You know, you have to be in the right mindset to, to, um, 
How do you you can have the right tools and not know how to utilize them? Is essentially what right. I'm trying to say. You know, your mind has to be there. They have to be willing to get that that lesson or whatever the the case may be. Too. Would you say that See, you have that, that, those experiences? I, I I've definitely seen those kind of things happen. Especially this just brings a quote. Uh, once you the way you're describing it just brings a quote to mind. Not from the book, but for, like something we all generally know. Like oh, you could you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You could surround yourself with the right possible people. You can go through life, you know, accumulating all the wealth you need. But it's if you're not in the right frame of mind to utilize to whether it be to your benefit or someone else's benefit, you know, whether to help yourself improve or help others around you improve. If you're not re- like open and ready to kind of take that in, it kind of defeats the purpose of doing all that. You know, it's kind of like putting the uh, the cherry on top, right? And you decide not to put the cherry on top and you just wait and wait and wait. And next, you know, the whole ice cream sundae is melted. Exactly. But I have another interesting notion I wanted to get your take on. It's it, to me when I first read it, it, it kind of, uh, well, heard it. It made me think that's not like it, it confused me a little bit, but not really. Once you start thinking about it, it's the concept of, between being broke and poor. Hmm. What do you think about that? You want to expand on that? Because I, I feel do. as though both of us coming from where we came from, we kind of, uh, we could see both sides to this. You know what I mean? We could say they're the same or we can say that they're completely different things and we can completely agree with how the author kind of went with it. I'll let you go first. Yeah, let's see. I'm, I'm curious. So clearly, man, we both are from cities. You know, we're, we're both from, um, I would say, lower income families, uh, immigrant families at that. Um, so Firstly, the book broke it down like this. Being broke is a temporary economic condition. Being poor is a dis- disabling frame of mind. And I've, I really do agree with that, right? Because you can be broke today, but that doesn't mean that you won't ever, you know, have or, or, or you will forever be without as long as you have it right up here, right? Like, I guess that's the, that's the, the word. Broke just means temporarily. Today, I'm, I don't have money or I don't have whatever it is that I, I need, but I have the potential to get it. I have the ability to go and get it. Whereas the poor mindset is like, an example would be, I have money, I want uh, assets, like a, I want a house or something like that, but here I am buying shoes constantly, every single week. Every time shoes come out, I buy shoes as opposed to saving that same money up and buying a house, you know what I mean? So like, I see this growing up, especially with us, like within the city, with my friends all the time, with myself as well, right? You have to change. It's just a mindset. The poor mindset versus the broke mindset. It's just the same. It, you know, both doesn't have money, doesn't have whatever it is that they need, but the switch is based on you know based on your ability to change that, your ability to change whether or not you have it up here or you don't. And anybody can get it, right? Anybody can learn the skills that they need to become broke as opposed to poor. It's just a mindset. It's what you choose in your actions daily. It's it's interesting that you call it a mindset because originally when I heard it, I took it literal. You know what I mean? Like poor is being, you know, you're poor, you're stuck. I took it as being if you are poor, you are stuck. And if you are broke, you're just temporarily stuck mm. is how I interpret it. And okay. Then, like, you know, as as you sit down and just like dwell on it and as he explained it a little bit more it's kind of it develop devo- develops into what you're kind of saying where the poor mindset is just not knowing what to do you know mm. what i mean not bothering to know what to do and not trying to know what to do it's uh, back to the, like the whole knowing versus believing is how I, what i tied into this you know being poor is just believing this is the this 
or believing you'll have a stroke of good luck or believing that the lottery will hit the lottery and you'll know what to do. You know what I mean? Versus being broke is just, you just don't have it right now. You know what I mean? You know how to get it. You know how to, you know where to get it. You know where to go to get it. You just don't have the means to get there yet. You know, mm. yep. it, it kind of ties into the, um, you know, you could feed a man for a day, but if you teach him how to fish, you can feed him for like he can feed himself for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. It's I think that's that analogy right there kind of fits into the broke versus poor mindset because you know if you're poor, like not economically, it's more just a mental state. Back to like the the PMA notion, it's if if you're just not in the right frame of mind and you you aren't thinking forwardly about things, you're poor. You you have a poor outlook on everything is the mm-hmm. best way to frame it. And having a broke outlook is temporarily things that are broken can be fixed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's how I how that's how I interpret it. So you can be broke, but you can fix it. Yeah. You know, you have you have what you need to fix it. Being poor is not trying to fix it. Hmm. That's just that's that was my take on that. I just found it really interesting because it, it's two prong. You know what I mean? It's not just mental and mindset. It's definitely economic economically influenced you know what i mean yeah it's if you're in a poor neighborhood and a poor community with people who are poor around you you just know how and what to do based on what you see this kind of ties back into who you surround yourself with you know what I yeah. mean? so if you never tried to take that next step and get out of that you're kind of you'd be stuck and vice versa you can be broke and have all the means and all that but the wrong mindset and still just stay broke you know what i mean there's a difference between i think there there should be like a third tier to that and that's kind of like i don't know what to call it but it should be like poor broke something else you know what i mean mm. it's like a ladder you gotta like there has to be a a step after broke you know which is and some people might call it success oh, yeah exactly I, I like, that's, but that, i didn't want to use that term because i don't feel like i don't feel like it is because you being broke, let's say if you you're broke right now, you know how to ob- obtain financial freedom, right? And you obtain financial freedom. Is that so? Is obtaining financial freedom or obtaining what you wanted success, or is just obtaining what you wanted just just that? It's just getting what you wanted. You know what I mean? Like you can't just say just because I got. Let me. Say, I want water. I'm just gonna get a bottle of water. Is me getting the bottle of water really success? You get what I'm saying? Maybe I'm just reading the tea leaves too much and I'm just digging too deep in that. But it, it just to me it feels it feels like it's more more than just broke versus poor. It's it's one more step. I don't think that that step is success. I don't think success is is the right you know right avenue or right channel for it to be like in in that progress. You know what I mean? I feel as though it goes. It, it, it's like a struggle almost. You should you go from poor, broke to kind of like struggling to understanding, and then I feel as though it's like multi layer. There's just something there because I don't know. I feel as though again, ultimately, this ties I guess back into purpose, and I don't think I feel as though success and purpose are different. You know what I mean? Like kind of like what we were saying. It's you know you can find your purpose, and success is a byproduct of you finding and pursuing your purpose, yeah. right? So I, I feel as if success just isn't something that you you get there. You know, once you get there, that's success. I don't I don't think that that's that's a the right notion to kind of put in this context because the book does talk a lot about being successful and finding success in what you do, but 
success isn't it. You know what I mean? Success isn't the tangible thing that you are chasing, you know? Yeah. Being poor, you're, the mindset of being poor is that, that's tangible. You know what I mean? I feel as though you can quanti- like quantify that. You can quantify what being poor is. You can like show what being poor is. You know what I mean? And then when you're broke, you can show what being broke is, right? But success, I think success, the definition of success varies. And because of that variable nature of success, I don't think you can quantify it into this kind of equation. And I think this is just me thinking in circles right now. <laughs> I slightly think that you are looking a lot more into it than what the author meant. And the reason why I say that is because when I when I think about I hear this often outside of the book as well, the poor versus the broke mindset. It's kind of like, OK, if I were to give you like a quick example, when I see it, it's I always relate it to sneakers because that's just what I know. Right. But um, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, OK, for instance, the difference between somebody who's poor and the difference between somebody who is broke is like this. Let's say we both got a paycheck this week. The poor person goes and spends $500 that they're supposed to pay on rent, they spend it on something else. This is what uh, something material, right? Um, let's let's just say sneakers. This is what I this is like the poor mindset. That's what I think of as the poor mindset. Whereas the same same person in the same job gets another check, but they're broke because they're putting the 500 towards their rent or savings or something like that, and they're living a little bit more frugally. So I guess like when I'm thinking of it, I don't really think as deep as like, oh, like is it success, is it not? It's kind of just like the way they're moving, right? The same two people have the same opportunities, but one has a poor mindset, and and that's why I keep saying mindset because, of course, what you're saying is not wrong, bro. Like everything you're saying is very true. Um, You know, it's it's it, there's varying natures. It's multidimensional. It's not just so cut and dry. But in this example, I feel it's, it's kind of, black or white it's kind of either like all right well i have a poor mindset where i'm making poor decisions towards my financial situation or i have a broke mindset where it's like okay i'm literally like i don't have the money or the means today but i have the mindset to maybe put aside as opposed to buy something material that's just the way i'm thinking of it and in the terms of the book i almost feel like that's maybe what they're getting at and maybe not necessarily as just dividing it as into two things but i i get the conversation bro i get it maybe listen maybe i'm still stuck on seth speaks and I'm right still, man he, he you opened know, your mind here, up man <laughs> i'm over here thinking about you know not everything is as you know black and white left and right up or down as we we believe it is and there's yeah. some sort of higher meaning to everything because uh, again your example i think is spot on with what the book kind of describes you know yeah. what i mean but i feel as though there's there's an underlying message because you so like if you take it just taking that pure example you gave one step further you know if you're so if you're poor i spend my rent money basically on jay's look impress homies basically versus a book mindset where i you know say save extra 200 dollars and i invest it right mm. There comes a point where you have to, you can't just always be broke. You know what I mean? And you yeah. can't just always be poor. I feel as though it's a progression. At what point, at what point does the broke mindset turn into something different? You know what I, I mean? see. Yeah. Because like, if you keep on, if you think of it just in a poor versus broke mindset, you know, the broke person is doing everything right. But we don't call successful people who are doing the broke mindset thing broke. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Maybe that's where my disconnect is coming from because yeah. – or maybe that's where I, I don't feel content with the book because we're talking about – he interviewed all these successful people and how people just you know persevered and made it through the tough times mm-hmm. and got to where they were. But I feel as though maybe that's just the, the disconnect and the, the misstep that I'm not seeing between 
you know, doing all the right things as a broke person, you know, when does that translate into the next step? What and what is that next step? You know what I mean? It's almost undefined, right? Yeah, and I feel as though that's uh, that's just a question I'm going through and thinking about all this. You know, that's just a question I'm left with. You know, like you can say, you have something to say. Uh, I guess I would just feed it like trying to answer your question a bit in my head. If I were to ask myself that same question you just asked, uh, I guess the difference is like it's the, the end goal is undefined. But I think the difference is one mindset plants a seed. One mindset destroys the seed every time. It doesn't plant anything. Right. right. So I, I eventually the seed will be fruitful. Right. The broke mindset. Eventually, I mean, you're making all of these great decisions, these right decisions. It's only a matter of time until you you go from broke to whatever it is, whatever that next word is, whether it's in between, whether it's uh, better. Right. Whatever the case may be. But the poor mindset, you stay stagnant. There's no growth because you're never planting those seeds. I know, I know it's an analogy. I'm on my plant vibes today, but you know, you know what yeah, I mean, man. You know what you're I mean. feeling it today. Yeah, yeah. So, so that, that just brings up a quote that I have written down right here. And it's, um, performing, performing a consistent action daily with the outcome in mind. Mm. I love that. It ties into perseverance, man. And it just ties into everything. I think everybody's kind of exactly what we're talking about how with seed example, you know, see apple seed. <laughs> um, yeah. You, you know, you plant the seed and it's all about consistency. You know, you keep on, you keep on watering it and watering it and watering it. And then eventually it becomes something. I guess I'm still, I'm just stuck on the, what that something is just because it mm-hmm. wasn't clearly defined and given, but may, that's, that's more so a problem I'll take up with myself than uh, <laughs> boring everybody else with. <laughs> What about you? Do you what? Uh, you got anything you want to share? Other crazy yeah. tidbits? Yeah, man, I, got I got a couple a, more we can go on to. <laughs> I got a, quite a few quotes down here, and I guess um, I'll just read some aloud and see, you know, what your thoughts are on some of them. Um, I think this one. So, in between each chapter on the audiobook, it would always give like a Napoleon Hill uh, quote, and I really like that because, you know, like you hear quotes all the time, and it's funny because sometimes you'll hear over and over like certain popular quotes and you don't realize who it's by but i kept hearing quotes that i've heard time and time again by napoleon hill um so one of them for for instance is no man achieves great success who is not willing to sacrifice um hey man like throughout the entire book right there was definitely notions and tidbits of sacrifice um making sacrifices to achieve greg's goal of getting this book published and of course he had all of this help from the people around him which is a big theme reoccurring theme as well in regards to getting counsel and and having people serve you and serving people but i wanted to get your your take on that quote once again no man achieves great success who was not willing to sacrifice by napoleon hill so i kind of agree with that notion it's it's kind of a, a give and take kind of relationship you know what i mean like in order to take something, you have to give something. Mm. So here, I'm gonna turn it real quick on you. Um, do you think you have to be, you have to sacrifice before you get something, or do you think as you march towards getting that goal, you have to sacrifice in the process? Where do you think the sacrifice comes, or do you think it's both? Like you have to sacrifice before, during, and after, or what? What's your take on that? I'm gonna just flip it on you. 
It's both. It's all the time. Um, I'll give you an example. I make sacrifices when I'm doing these things with you, with my, you know, with my DTBG stuff. I'm sacrificing time with family, sacrificing time with friends. I'm sacrificing um, the ability to go and travel and to do this and to that and to do that because right. I'm so focused on my purpose, right? But I think when somebody else is looking in towards my like vision, they might not understand those sacrifices. Whereas me. There are sacrifices I'm willing to make, just like the quote says, no man achieves great success who is not willing to sacrifice. If I'm not willing to sacrifice something, I, it's almost like I can't expect to achieve the goals that I'm asking for. You know, I have to be like uh, willing to sacrifice in order to achieve the things that I need. And I firmly believe that. And do you feel the same? I'm sure like, no, okay, for, for example, too, man, like you went to law school, like you had to sacrifice so much in order to get to the end goal of being a lawyer, right? Right. Right. I, I wholeheartedly agree. There's, it comes a, a point in time where it's it's the analogy of when there's a fork in the road. Do you go left? Do you go right? You mm. know what I mean? You're sacrificing everything that could be on the right side for the left or vice versa. And I feel as though this it's, it's probably something that has happened to me between, you know, going like we both majored in accounting. That's how we know each other. So we yeah. went to school. We I graduated with an accounting degree and I made the sacrifice of saying I'm not going to pursue my you know, my number crunching nerd out career <laughs> and I'm going to pursue something completely different, completely off the wall from whatever I've done for, for however long, you know what I mean? Cause you go going through four years of a accounting and business school. It's almost completely different from law school. It's a different ball game. It's, it's completely, uh, it's a new, it's a new world basically. And it's just saying I'm giving up what I'm comfortable to be uncomfortable. Mm. And it's, um, which kind of ties me into perseverance and kind of a, a notion I got from the book is you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable because when you start, you know, running into obstacles, that's when you're going to be the most uncomfortable. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? When things aren't going your way. So in a, a quote that I want to take out from towards the end of the book is actually um, that ties off of that. Life is just one big obstacle. Yeah. And we're just here. We're here for the. We're just here for it. We you got to get through it. You know what I mean. And it's, it's as tough as it is. You you make choices. You make decisions. And you make sacrifices, as you, go through everything. And it, this ties right into obstacles. Realistically, so, like if you, let's say if you're my goal is to be you know, the best basketball player in the world, right? My mm -hmm. goal is to be better than LeBron James, right? Mm -hmm. And I get to a point where. You know, I'm not better than I'm trying to think of a scrub off the top of my head. Jared <laughs> Dudley. All right. If I can't beat Jared <laughs> Dudley one on one. Right. Yeah. There's no way I'm beating LeBron. And that's me facing an obstacle, you know, mm -hmm. you know, and this is assuming I have all the on all the game and I can actually do all this. I can get to the league to go one on one with Jared Dudley. All right. Because, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the one percent of the one percent. And at that point, I I can either, you know, quit. You're, you're faced with an obstacle at that point, right? And this mm -hmm. goes to sacrifice. Do you sacrifice the opportunity to continuously pursue whether this is your dream or not, right? You sacrifice every you you sacrifice to get to that point, right? But now do you sacrifice the opportunity to continue, mm. right? And all the things that could come after that? Or do you continue to sacrifice more to get better to beat Jared Dudley in order to beat, you know, the next person, the next person, the next person? And I think life is just a constant it's like almost like a straight line of things where like, you know, you can go five steps, have an obstacle, need to overcome it or decide whether or not you're going to 
you know, the sacrifice is the best way to put it, you know, sacrifice time and try to overcome the obstacle or sacrifice the whole goal itself in order to be more comfortable with yourself and where you currently are. Yeah. What do you think about that? Uh, I agree, man. I agree. I think very similar to what you said, there are there's a lifetime full of obstacles that we need to overcome. A life without obstacles and hurdles means it's a life without growth. And I'm not comfortable with that. Right. Um, and it's funny because like Tom, for the, the person, you know, today, like the Steve today is not the Steve five, six years ago from like before college. Right. I, I was very conservative. Didn't really, I wasn't open with my opinions. I didn't um, present myself on social media or anything like that. I wasn't trying to build a brand, but I, in college uh, at Rutgers, I tried my very best to put myself in the most uncomfortable positions and make them comfortable. So that was one of those things. It was kind of like public speaking was not a great thing of mine, like not a great suit or strength of mine. It was a weakness and I made it into a strength. So I guess to tie it into the book a little bit and similar to the quote that you're talking about, people who face these opportunities um, to, to overcome challenges and come out on top, man, they really build like momentum and snowball effect into success. Whereas... The people who have the same opportunities for growth, but they stay comfortable, they stay stagnant, and they don't overcome those obstacles, it's like the poor mindset. You stay where you're at. You never, you don't, you, you don't plant those seeds to bloom later on. You just continue to be where you're at forever. And you know, like when I'm talking about this, I'm thinking of some people in my, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say I'm thinking of some people in mind that I really care for and I really wish that they heard like how. Ha- or they understood the potential they have if they switch from the poor mindset to the broke mindset. All right. Because we all started in similar, you know, environments, similar um, factors, but they're just not changing, man. And it's so unfortunate to see. And that's kind of, it ties in with, you know, being kind of like having your judgment clouded almost, you know what I mean? It's, Mm. Then it's a matter of you can have all the talent in the world, right? But if you don't believe in yourself and if you're not in the the PMA, the positive, you don't have a positive mental attitude, like you're just going to, you know, be stuck, be in that kind of non-growth environment when everything seemingly, you know, whether you think it works against you or for you and the world works against you or for you. It's funny that we bring this up and you talk about growth. This just ties me back to what we read in um, David and Goliath when he talked about how when parenting and teaching the the rich right when the rich have it hard because their children basically are given everything mm-hmm. right how much that affects their mental state because no matter what they achieve everyone around them will simply be like well you know you're rich you had everything you needed of course you can do that or oh daddy's money mommy's money like everything kind of falls into that and in um that David and Goliath, Malcolm Gladwell, really hits home that those are the people who get stuck and can't experience growth because everything is working against them. So how yeah. can you be positive when everything is working against you? You know what I mean? So I guess that piggybacks off of what we're kind of talking about in this book is, you know, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you can't seem to get over the hurdle that the world is against you, Hmm. or you know, whatever's working against you is working against you and if you can't overcome that obstacle that's it's unfortunate but you're going to be stuck you know you're going yeah. to be in what you're calling that broke mindset but um i think this ties into my next quote this book was full of quotes and tidbits that you could just keep on pulling and talking about mm-hmm. so, 
with that in mind, right, trying to figure out how to overcome, you know, obstacle or roadblock. So towards the end of the book, this was a quote I got. Life is like a Rubik's Cube. You keep twisting it until you get the combination you're looking for. Hmm. That's it's really that's true. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe wholeheartedly believe in that quote. I think there's just so much that goes on you know, and you're making so many choices and you're making so many decisions and you're looking for bits and pieces of everything like the rubik's cube is what i think a four by four so mm. it's 16 cubes and you want all 16 like cubes mm-hmm. on the face to look the same and it's there realistically it's one individual cube and you're moving everything in conjunction so you're trying to do everything to get one little thing and this is what i i personally think you know why the little things matter because if we're just using the analogy of the rubik's cube every block matters right you have Mm. to get all of the blocks to be the same color to complete the rubik's cube so i feel as though we're all chasing the bigger picture i feel as though this contradicts my whole entire belief on this book right now but like you know Mm -hmm. we're chasing the bigger picture we're chasing the end but what we what we really should be chasing is is the individual combinations of little blocks we should really be chasing and looking at how to overcome each individual obstacle instead of you know i guess they work hand in hand instead of trying to get to the end goal instead of trying to you know i guess it's important to focus on the end goal but i feel as though you need to realistically focus on what's in front of you once you determine the end goal you know what i mean because how else are you going to overcome the obstacle if you can't face what's in front of you it doesn't matter how much you that I think this is how I'm going to tie it in. It doesn't matter how much you believe in what you want down the line. If you don't know what to do right now, you're mm-hmm. never going to be able to obtain what you believe in. Yeah. Is, that's quote from Tom. Write it down. <laughs> Put it in somewhere. That's my take. I'm, they might call me to co-author the book next. Sheesh. Yeah. Um, hey, man, I agree. Um, and it, it sounds like every time we're talking about some of these quotes, we're kind of asking, well, is that it? Like, is there something else necessary? And I think there is. That's the ultimate equation that you mentioned earlier. I don't remember the acronym, but essentially, right, it's the people, it's the time, it's the talent, it's the opportunity. Like, all of that has to kind of be on your in your favor and it's funny because like when you think about that it's like well do i have to have these things to be perfect no it's just you do your best to get to align those parts of the equation and at the end of the day whatever success is it's based on how well you were able to align that equation right so like how well were you able to get this that or the right people um your you know Mm -hmm. the talent the skills uh the perseverance the mindset all of this has to play hand in hand in your success and your inability to do so is does the very opposite, right? You may fall short of your success if you don't have those key factors. So I, I think it, in, in, in all, man, it's like, how well can you play this game of life? Number one, right? And number two, it's like, well, in the end of the day, on the flip side, it's like, well, how much of it really matters? Going back to the right. Seth Speaks. It's funny because as, as these books go on, we're having different I can see us growing as people. Yeah. Like I can see us, our perspectives growing. And this is kind of what I want for us and for the, for the legacy liftoff for our, our viewers and for our listeners, because this is episode four, right? What happens when it's episode 500, man, we got beers down here and, you know, we're going like this, you know, sipping our tea, but you know, all jokes aside, it's like, we are growing our mindset on another level right now by doing what we're doing although it's fun although it's um it's entertaining it's also very very important for our growth within the next x y z amount of years you know 
right i agree and it's just funny because i like the more and more we do this and like think about it a lot of these books seem to almost coincide with each other or you can pick something from you know one book and apply it to this book or and, and like vice versa as you go through and i'm just learning that it's you're kind of filling up your toolbox you know mm -hmm. whether it's between me and you we're filling up our toolbox as we do this for the people watching and listening they're they're doing the same thing just a funny funny story i was with a friend yesterday for lunch and we we're catching up and we we're talking about things and she um she was mentioning you know how she's kind of been stuck and everything and how she's kind of going about her life and everything. And as she's describing situations and what's kind of going on and what's on her mind, like I'm going through the notes on my phone mm. and I'm quoting books. You know what I mean? I'm I'm pulling things out from like Seth Speaks, from Ikigai, from the books we've read and just kind of like just relaying it to her. Kind of what we're doing now. It's almost but more on a one-on-one -on -one setting. I just found it really interesting that everything that we're actually going through there's there's a purpose to it you know what i mean there's a, an applicability we can apply what we're doing to something you know yes, sir and it's just it, i just find it interesting how how it all kind of ties in together but let me jump on let me talk about the the formula for success real quick because i realize i don't think we defined it yeah right so the formula to success was the sum of p and t times a times a so p is passion t is talent a is association and the other a is action hmm. so the the book actually gave so i want to i want to get your take on it. the book gave us the the method to apply the the formula right so it's on a on, take a sheet of paper on one side you write 10 things you're passionate about things that you would not mind waking up doing for free every single day right mm -hmm. and on the flip side you write down 10 things that you believe you are talented in 10 skills you believe you possess right and then you essentially take that list and go to the people you believe know you best, know you well, whether it be friends, family, whomever, right? And you get them to like look through that thing and you just constantly cross things off until you have one item on both sides. So you have one thing as a talent and one thing as a passion. And then you take that and you find the people, like that. this is the association, you find the people who can help you put them together you know what i mean you can have you can have the talent you can have the passion but if you don't have the right means to put them together it kind of works against you and then yeah. after you have the people in mind you have to then take action on that right right just give me i just want to use this quote right now before i forget it well i'm not going to forget it because it's written in here but i think it, it um it fits in with that give me a second let me find it because without the action you know let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find it. If I can find it. Because I know I read somewhere and I have it written down, but it's just. Bum, bum, bum. Never mind. I can't fucking find it. I hate this shit. <laughs> but, but that's the formula. You know, you get, you know, you have to meet the right people and then you have to act on it mm -hmm. as well. So, what's your take on that? Like, what do you, what do you, do you think that's a, an effective formula do you think that's an effective way to to you know apply the formula or do you think there's a different way to do it and why you do that i'm gonna look for my quote got you um i think that formula man it really it, it's funny because similar to ikigai right a lot of these things that we are discussing within the books you know that this is the formula we know this without it's it goes without saying we know if you are around the right people if you have the right mindset, if you are putting the time in and taking action, you're going to succeed. Like, I mean, these are literally the keys to success to anything, whether it be cooking, right, cooking a meal, whether it be uh, getting a degree. It's all the same. 
it's just the application of of those that formula is it can vary from person to person now one person has more of i don't know like better connections but they don't have as much like action-based uh day-to-days right like they don't do a lot of things towards their goal on the day-to-day like they're not going to achieve it maybe somebody is very action-based day-to-day but they don't have the right people around them like it, it all varies man it all really really varies on your individual experience did you find it yeah i did so it's a it was a notion of you need two types of courage, you know, the mm. courage to start and then the courage to finish. I love it. So how, how I relate this to the quote is, you know, you can know the right people. You can identify what you're, you know, passionate. If you don't have the courage to take, this is on the last A part, the action part. If you don't have the courage to take action and then the courage to see it through the formula, doesn't matter if you have all the pieces of the formula, you know what I mean? Like it still requires a little bit more this this is why i wanted to find it because i know it directly related to this yeah you know like you know if you're too scared to take the first step no one's going to take it for you you know mm-hmm. and if you're too afraid to take the last step and tie it all together no one's going to tie it together for you you know and that's i think that's really crucial and i think that's a very important lesson in in the book right towards the end when the book finally did get published you know mm-hmm. he had to Greg had to basically sacrifice everything, you know, he had to take action. He said he knew he identified what his passion was, which was, you know, relaying a message to people. He realized he had talent for communication, right? He realized he had the publishing companies or like the the individuals within the publishing, you know, field to help him. Right. And he knew that he so the the next hurdle was, do I do this? You know, he decided to do it. And then as the book, you know, went through its obstacles and hardship, is a question of, do I just throw it away? Like, can I really do this? Is this book really good? Like, is my idea a stupid idea? And that's the the end part of it is actually finishing, having the guts to stick through it and getting through everything. And I think is really important in the whole thing. And yeah. I think that was under a very, it, it was almost as important as the formula itself. You know what I mean? Because again, you can hand everybody, you can hand the person the tools, and if you don't show them how to use it, it makes no difference, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. That's just I, my... I agree, man. Um, there were so many times within the book where Greg wanted to quit mm-hmm. because he kept going through hurdles. And like you said, he was given the tools by David, I, I believe his name. Um, his Like his mentor, essentially. His mentor gave him all of the tools, gave him all of the people he needed to meet. Um, it was almost like, hey, what do you need? And then he's like, oh, okay, I got you. Even with all of those tools, even with the the Napoleon Hill Foundation's help, with all of the people, the influential people with the messages, um, even sitting at the round table and all of that, having publishing people, etc., he needed to have the courage to believe in himself and in his work to finish it, right? So like you said, he needed to have the courage to take the first step, which um, his mentor really helped with. But he needed ultimately to have the courage to finish out what he sought after to do. You know, it's one thing to want something. It's another thing to like want it and show that you want it. Like I said, are you worthy? Are you worthy of what you're asking for? Are you willing to make the sacrifices so that you can receive the blessings that you're asking for? And I think that's, you know, it, it goes without saying that people in life need to think about that. They need to ask themselves that question very seriously, you know? It's like you asking for all of this, man, but are you even worth it? Are you worthy of taking what you're asking for is, is what I ask myself every morning, man. 
dude, like, are you even going to work to it? You know, you can't just yeah. wake up one day and say, fuck it. I want to, no, I want to be, I want to be the next Jeff Bezos, you know, you, you know? can say that. And again, I think this ties right into the whole knowing thing, you know, if you know something, you're going to keep on moving towards the no. If you just believe in something, you're just going to let the belief just sit and float around and just, you know, you're going to wait for it to come, you know? I feel as though this is interesting because um, the notion of opportunity comes up a lot, you know? But mm-hmm. for the right opportunity, Greg might have not been in the position he was in, you know? Absolutely. And I think this is um, this kind of falls back into the whole state of mind thing is, you know, I feel as though with the poor mindset, it's, oh, if I have the opportunity, I would take it versus the broke mindset being when? once the opportunity comes or when the opportunity comes, like I can jump on it. It's not like I'm ho- it's the difference between hoping it comes and like taking action when it comes, mm. you know, there's another quote in there that I, um, I wrote down cause I thought it was interesting. I'm not sure if it really pertains or relates to anything. It talks about um, like coincidences, and I don't know if it was just a play on words where he said coincidences basically could be seen as coincidences, two parts of a whole like colluding together or colliding together to work together. You know, what what was your take on that? Or do you even remember that part? I don't. It's funny. It's funny because sometimes when you're asking me, we read the same book, but we have such different perspectives and experiences that we resonate with that. I may remember something more than you do, vice versa, right? So right. I don't remember, but um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. The context to give you, like I said, I like it was like something I heard, and I was like, oh, that's maybe it was the play on words that really got me. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, but if you think about it, it's two parts, two things that make a whole. You know, two uh, again. Back to what we were talking about, you know, you can have the courage to start, but not the courage to finish. You can have the courage to finish, but you might not want to start. So it's two incidences, you know, two parts to they have to come together. You know, Mm -hmm. you need both sides. You need, you know, a coin isn't a coin without a heads and a tails, you know. I agree. Mean, probably is, but (laughs) that was a horrible (laughs) analogy. But (laughs) no, but I agree with your uh, statement. Yeah, yeah. Right. So actually, so let's talk about a uh, a quote that I knew when David. I mean, I think it was David gave, gave to Greg. If not, I think it was um, Jeff. I, I forget which one of the mentors gave this, mm-hmm. but it was um, the thought of never making a decision when you're in a valley. Mm-hmm. You remember that? I do remember that. Yes, what I do don't you, remember do exactly who, but I I think it's. You have to think about it, right? Like, it's almost like when you're a valley is the very lowest part of. Uh, terrain right so like or mountain um it's the lowest part of you of your being of your experience so for instance if i'm upset if i'm angry if i'm sad if i'm feeling very very down and i'm making these decisions they're probably not going to be the best decisions that i can make right um speaking from like an emotional standpoint so when you're down and when you're out kind of like i feel like there's two there's two perspectives the perspective that he's trying to make the the mentor was trying to make is that when you're down, man, you're probably not going to be making your best decisions. So ride it, ride the wave, right? Ride those valleys and wait until you get to a suitable position where you can make an informed, better decision. The flip side is I feel like when people are at valleys, which are their lows, some people put their backs against the wall and they force themselves to make something great out of those opportunities. It's an opportunity. So like I said, there's two ways of looking at it. I think the way the mentor was looking at it was that like, yo, like ride the wave when you're on your lows. Don't make harsh or rash decisions. 
when you get to a better suited position, then make going for the killing. You know what I mean? Do right. you agree? Do you disagree? I agree with the general notion of what the mentor is trying to get across. I, I also think what you're saying after that, the latter, the latter definition of it, it's that's interesting because now that I'm, like I didn't even think about it from that context. I took it for the literal meaning that the mentor was trying to push off. But mm -hmm. I don't tell me if you know you've experienced this. But sometimes I feel as though some people, like even myself, I go through moments where when you're at a low point, you realize that you. I feel you feel like you have to pull yourself up. You yep. know what I mean? When you've hit rock bottom, you have to get up. You have to like climb up. You have to you you forcibly force yourself to do something, which I guess falls into the idea of the the irrational decision making yeah. that you're like alluding to. But I feel as though you know that when I think of that, I think people just they do not because they want to, but they do because they think they have to. You get mm. what I'm saying? Yep. Like I I feel as though. No one wants to make a decision when they're at their lowest point, you know? Yeah. But I feel as though people feel compelled to make a decision at their lowest point because two parts, they could see it as an opportunity saying, listen, I'm already down. Like there's, there's no lower I can go. So what's the harm versus mm -hmm. I'm down bad. I have to do something, you know, instead of riding it out, which would be the more informed thing to do. Yeah. What do you what do you think about that? I agree. I agree, man. I, it's funny because all of this stuff, it's it's not never right or wrong. It's more like right. how does it apply and how can you take it and use it to your benefit? So I do agree, though. Kind of like, kind of like Seth said, bro. Information is all you know up to up to interpretation. Here we here we go again. But it is it, right. It's funny. It, is. it is. It's yeah. funny. It's not funny, but like I I think it's it's such a huge coincidence. That like you know that line really resonates and stuck stuck with me. Mind you, I didn't I didn't finish Seth speaks, but that is a line that I I think will always re resonate with me because if if you know me, if you're you're around talking to me enough, like my girlfriend, I say this to my girlfriend all the time. You know, time is relative, mm -hmm. and she goes relative to what? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Dot dot dot. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like everything, but I feel as though that notion really came alive in Seth speaks. You know what I mean? Where mm -hmm. he he just as time is just something or a definition of something we gave and i feel though i feel like that applies to everything you know information is subject to interpretation one and two your definition is relative to how you're feeling you know mm. your decision is relative to the position you're in to the information you have so everything you know that we should get that on a t-shirt and use that as merch you know all is relative no for <laughs> real though but, hey so no, look I, I want to get into Go this ahead. quote here before I forget it, because I, I, I've i been trying to think about it, but I keep forgetting to bring it up. From a business standpoint, both of us being in business school, both of us kind of going through uh, it, the interview process in a professional realm, uh, this is a quote that I took from one of the mentors. How many no's can you sustain? The number of no's determines how far you can get. So from like a sales perspective, from an interview perspective, from anything, man, like how do you feel about that that notion there, that quote? See, I think that falls squarely in line with perseverance, my friend. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I don't know. There's, there's no way around. It. It's, it's a matter of how, how tough is your skin, mm. you know, how many punches you can take before you get knocked out. You know, how strong is your chin? I like that whole notion of how, how many no's you can take before you basically just give up. Mm -hmm. it, it falls directly in line with believing in yourself, believing and knowing what you're doing is right understanding that you have the qualifications for whatever it is and that you aren't the problem. You know what I mean? 
I'm not saying like the people who turn you down are are the problem, but it's just you know whether it be somebody else fits their their corporate structure better or whether you know you didn't ask the right thing. I think something that within the same you know chapters or around that area when they were talking about how many knows you can take, each was basically an opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. You know where they basically were saying you know a no shouldn't be the end. A no should be should be a good thing you know you shouldn't look at no's as negatives no having a no is having an answer it's better than saying maybe i'll hire you maybe what or it depends it it's funny because um if you talk to anybody in law school or in the law or something the joke is is like when they when somebody asks you a question your answer is always well it depends Mm -hmm. and that's like not the best answer to anything because it does depend on us so many different factors so in this context in the strict business context and the example you're giving you know if you're interviewing having a no is probably the second best thing to having a yes yeah you know yes means cool i got it no means cool i gotta move on it's better than saying we'll call you in three to five weeks and let you know Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it gives you closure Exactly. It allows you to move forward is is my take on that. Well, I mean, I, you're nodding in agreement. So I, it feels like we're not agreeing on this one. No, 100%. 100% sure, bro. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to bring up this, this quote right here. And it's progress in one area or aspect doesn't translate to every other area. Hmm. What do you think about that? Like, that took me... That was a very big one for me to digest. It's hard for me to digest. Yeah, for sure. So uh, just just to reiterate, progress in one basically realm of life does not necessarily mean progress in some, in another, correct? Right. Or, you know, success in one part of your life doesn't lead to success in every part of your life. Hmm. Okay, let me give Which you an I example. Of, right. I could think so of a good one. Too. Go first ahead. example in my mind is um, you can be... For instance, we graduated college, uh, we got corporate jobs, we got, you know, relatively decent paying jobs compared to the majority of America, but we're still not content with what we're doing. That is an example of being successful in one route, right? Being successful in our pursuit of um, the collegiate life or, or a professional life, whatever the case may be. But we're failing to to realize like what our passions are, what our, our dreams are, or, or maybe our purpose. So I think that's a great example of it's not that we failed in any capacity. No, we actually succeeded to do something that not everybody can do. But we fail in another regard where, you know, maybe just because we have success in, in the co- collegiate professional level, we might fail on a another level in regards to passion and purpose. So I feel I resonate with that very much because, you know, I feel like we're we're not we're not not successful people. But to my definition i'm not successful yet because it's not in what i want or where i want you know so i guess that's an example that i can relate to it so i don't know if that's confusing or not no i get what you're saying i just think i feel as though the notion that the author was trying to give was a a little bit different notion which i like which i kind of agree with okay you you remember in the beginning of the book greg is basically this you know mid-management ceo of his own marketing firm kind of person and the image he's trying to portray is i'm wealthy and i'm successful right Mm -hmm. this image that's coming across is what when i read or when i heard that quote this is what i think of um basically the hard-working person you know the hard-working husband who grinds and grinds and grinds but spends no time with his wife spends no time with his kids right 
I think this is the great, perfect example of it. You grind, you don't work your nine to five. You're working a nine to nine. You come home late. You're putting in hella hours, hella overtime. You're thinking you're doing what the, like the best you can do in order to be successful at your job. You get your promotion, you get your raise, you get Mm. everything that you thought you wanted. And you think that will now help everything else that you have going on. It translates. You think the one achievement in this one area will now translate to every other aspect of your life. Yeah. But it doesn't. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that's where the quote was really kind of going. It's, you know, you can experience success in one aspect and think either it's going to fix everything or everything else is going just as fine or just as well when in actuality it's not yeah you know and i think the author was a the prime example of it you know greg went through life thinking he's about to be this i'm this great businessman you know i i live in a luxury apartment in manhattan this that and the third and next you know his girlfriend of five years decides to leave him because Mm -hmm. she says you're not the man i fell in love with in his head it just blows up he's like what the hell what went wrong what happened right yeah yeah it's just like he loses the grasp of it so i think that's it's interesting from the the standpoint of saying one thing doesn't translate to everything you know yeah and i think it's it's an important message for people to get because just because you're doing well in one facet doesn't mean every other facet is going well because i feel as though you think if you're feeling happy and you're doing well you know, everything else just kind of goes, it's like a mood kind of thing, you know? If you're having a good day, you're thinking everything else about your day is peachy. But when next, you know, you might just have, you probably woke up on the right side of the bed and you had a good cup of coffee that morning, but hey, you're out, you're out putting fires in the office. Right. Shit, shit's hitting the wall. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. That's just how I interpret that quote. Okay. It's just being mindful, I think is the underlying message. Just be mindful of everything, you know? Yeah. And, and the 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 opposite could be said just because you are experiencing a failure in one thing doesn't mean something else isn't brewing in success you know just because you can't find your passion doesn't mm. mean you're not developing a skill or a talent absolutely right? yep just because you don't know how to apply your skill of a talent doesn't mean your passion is taking the back burner to something although you might think oh i can't find my passion mm-hmm. yeah so i just i think it's uh you know it works both ways on with that quote and i just i found it really interesting and really compelling because you know Again, like the example I gave, I feel as though that is when you think of modern day corporate America, like the blue collar working force or the white collar working force, that's the thing you see in mind, right? You know, it's like, you know, whether it be the mother working hard to put food on the table, but she has to sacrifice, you know, time with her kids or the dad going to work and next, you know, having his wife leave him because she's not getting enough love, affection and attention or, you know, having a fractured relationship with your parents or regardless of how it is just solely solely focusing on one thing thinking that that will be your answer you know and i think yeah. that's the wrong way to and i think the book really highlights that's the wrong way to approach everything mm. is just how i took it what do you uh, think? I, I would say i would say the same too i think it just comes down to balance almost you know but it's hard man it's hard it's like as I'm thinking about what you're saying, I'm thinking about my own personal experience and I'm like, man, how can you focus on success but also 
you know, how can you be sacrificing so much for one thing, but also pay attention to this other thing and sacrifice for that? Like, I don't know. It's hard. It's like some of these things I, I still don't have the answers for. I don't know if reading these books will answer the questions for us, honestly, you know, other than just experiencing it. Because like you said, man, people, you know, their hearts are broken daily. Their families are broken up. Um, just because you have money doesn't mean that your family is going to be happy, your wife or your kids, or it doesn't mean they're going to love you, right? You can have money and they can still leave you. You can have, nobody owes you anything, right? So, and on the flip side, you don't owe anybody anything. So I, I think it's just life is what you make it. Um, it seems that no matter who's telling me the message, balance is the key, right? Like balance in life, balance in love, balance in professionalism, all of that, man. Um, right. But it brings me to this point. I heard you say something about basically just like failure and, and I'm sorry, man. It's like a quote is success is going failure to failure without the loss, the loss of enthusiasm. And it kind of ties into what you were saying as well, right? Because like on the flip side of succeeding in one thing, you may be failing all the time, right? So what do you have to right. say about that? Like people who are just trying for our listeners who maybe they're trying different things and they're just failing and failing and failing. Like what's your take on that? And and just that quote from the book. So the, my question is like on that, it's like, are your failures actually failures because they're not working mm -hmm. or are they failures because you think it's a failure? You know what yeah. I mean? And to answer, I'll answer your quote question with a quote of my own, right? Mm. And it's, um, people doubt their beliefs, but believe in their doubts. Mm-hmm. You know? I remember that, yeah. So it's, if, if you know, if you, if you're doubting yourself, if you believe in your doubts, right, your doubts could be the failure, you know? Like, yeah. Doubts could just be, you know, a negative term, like something bad. Yeah. Right? If you believe in all the bad shit that's happening, right? And you're not believing in yourself to overcome the bad stuff, you know, you you get again, you get stuck, you get lost and you you kind of lose the juice and you get comfortable and then you go, you know what? Forget about it. I'm, mm. I'm not too pressed. I'm not too worried anymore. You know, I tried cool, whatever, pat myself on the back. You know, this is kind of the notion. This is just off tangent. This is kind of the idea of, uh, you know, giving out a participation award to everybody. Yeah. Like I, you know, I was the person who got a participation award, so mm -hmm. I'm not mad at it, but I think <laughs> it kind of ties, ties in with everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. For, you know, for every up, there's a down, right? For every winner, there's a loser. Unfortunately, that's just how things work. You know, for yeah. every, for every person outside, when it's sunny, there's always a shadow cast behind you, you know? Mm. And it's, I think realizing that every success has a failure will allow you to go from every failure to failure because you know that every failure also have they have the opposite each failure has a success yeah or will have a success it might not be the success you are looking for but it can be something it, it could be a positive you know what i mean it could be a well the success to every failure is learning why you failed mm -hmm. realistically is you know, boil down, if I had to interpret and define it and give you an answer, you know, every failure has a success and that success is learning from why you failed. And right. as you learn why you fail from failure to failure, you eventually will stop making the mistakes, which led to your failure. And ultimately, mm. you succeed. You know, it might take longer than you need. It might take shorter. You, you never know. Which I, I think is, uh, it's interesting that you bring that up. 
in at least in conjunction with all that so i have a quote right here and i want to get your your thoughts on it never let another person dictate your action especially if you know what you're doing is right and beneficial to the world which i think kind of ties in with this whole fail failure and a success thing because you know if everyone's telling you you're a failure yeah you're like fuck i'm a failure you right. know what i mean and I, what's your thoughts on that quote don't let think- other people dictate you basically I think I agree, man. And I think at this age, I'm very comfortable in saying, I don't give a F what people think, you know? Uh, this is I who I am. This is how I am. I'm going to put it out there the best of my ability in an honest way because I think when you start to let people impose on who you are and what you are and what you're doing, it really can muddy the waters and change your beliefs. It can change who you believe you are, who you your vision, you know, it can really change that. You are influenced by other people's inability to realize your potential as well, you know? So, like, if I'm asking, uh, just to tie one more thing. I know we're, like, we're pressed for time right now. I'm not going to keep on bringing things back and forth. But there's one thing that really relates to what I'm saying right now. And essentially, um, uh, essentially, like, people, people will always have something to say, right? An opinion. That's what it was, an opinion. So the difference is an opinion versus counsel. People will always have something to say about what it is that they're pitch- right. you're pitching to them. But the difference is somebody who's counseling you is not giving you their opinion. They're trying to support you. They're trying to help you realize your goals, right? Regardless if they believe it or not, it's outside of their opinion. Whereas a lot of people, what they do is they don't counsel you, right? What they do is they give you their opinion. Oh, my opinion is oh, I wouldn't do that. Oh, I'd be scared because now they're projecting their fears on you, right? They're projecting their inability to realize your goals. And then when you hear that, you kind of change your mind. You're like, oh, shit, like, you're right, man. I'm scared now. Like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do that. It muddies the water and it changes your own vision of it changes your own interpretation of your vision. It's your vision, not theirs, you know? So I I don't know how you feel about that. Maybe you have like uh, some varying opinion on that, but let's start to wrap it up soon. So let me know what you think and then we'll start to wrap it up. All right. I know. I agree. The the difference is between opinion and counseling, you know, people and people need to understand the difference because you can seek out counsel. You think you're somebody's counseling you, right? But ultimately what they're doing is giving you their opinion. Mm. And then you might take their opinion as, you know, actual advice to how to go about something. So it comes down to who do you ask for counsel versus who do you, you know, it goes right back to who you, one, either who you surround yourself with or two, do you know the right people to ask for counsel, you know? And I think that's really the, it's an important distinction to draw because you can ask your friends thinking your friends know how to counsel you through a situation. When they're just offering opinions, you know what That's I mean? That's all it oh, is. I, yeah. I wouldn't do that. I would do this. I would say A. I would say B. You know what I mean? So yeah. understanding the difference between having an expert in something, right, and having your buddy tell you otherwise mm. is very important. And whether you succeed, I think, is very important between whether you succeed or fail, because the author kind of did that. You know, he had his mentors to really fall back on to ask questions, to get counsel. You know what I mean? Have them. Kind of walk him through it, offer solutions, give him guidance. And, you know, I think between this journey and both me and you understand the, the key and the power of mentorship, you know what I mean? Having that person who, an objective third person, realistically, yeah. sit back, look back and say, all right, try this out. Not do this or don't do this. Try this out. Look this way. 
look at it th- that way. Talk to my buddy. He might know better than me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's like counseling. And I think that's important, especially when you're going through life in a tough trying to succeed and trying to like make it through everything. And I think, again, the book ties it all together. And I think it, it like at the end of the day, everything is kind of tied together. P- who you surround yourself with, how your mind state is, how you approach a situation. I think it all ties in together. So I'm actually going to let's we'll wrap it up and I'll leave it with a quote as it ties onto this. OK, right? success requires no explanation. Failure requires no alibi. Hmm. I'll let you, you can sit on that and you can text me how you feel. That's <laughs> a deep one, man. That's a deep. That that's the deepest one we've gone through. Yeah. And I think I think everyone listening who are currently listening or will listen in the future, I think that's that really, you know, that's the standard of how you should approach success. I'm I'm gonna read it again, right? Success requires no explanation. Failures require no alibis. Hmm. And with that, I guess we can wrap it up. Yes, sir. All right, brother. Um instead of uh spinning our wheel this week um like we discussed off camera and just for whoever's listening instead of spinning our wheel and picking our next book this week we both thought it'd be uh informative to actually read think and grow rich by napoleon hill because it kind of all the principles that three feet from gold kind of exuded came from think Mm -hmm. and grow rich and everyone recommended think and grow rich in you know three feet from gold and how much of a pioneer that book is so i just so I pitched to Steve and Steve agreed that our next book should be Think and Grow Rich. And we can kind of tie in the two conversations, see how they differ, how they, they're they similar, how it all kind of like ties in together and how, you know, Think and Grow Rich, a book written during the time of the Great Depression, is still, mm-hmm. you know, applicable to today. So that's what we're going to do. And I guess we can wrap it on up. Yes, sir. So that was the Legacy Liftoff episode four, guys. I'm having a great time. Tom, I'm hoping you are having a great time as well, brother. Having a blast, bro. Having uh, a blast. Hey, man, we are, we are killing it. We are being consistent. We are trying to practice what we preach in regards to all of these books and these, these mindsets that we're learning. Uh, we really do appreciate you guys, man. If you guys hit the like button, the share button on our page, you can catch us on Spotify as well as YouTube if you want to watch the, the actual video. But on that note, guys, for next week, we're going to be reading Think and Grow Rich. Thank you so much, Tom. Love you, bro. Be safe, man. All right, Steve. Until next time. Everyone, be safe, everybody. All right, brother. Hey, we forgot one thing. What? Do you recommend the book? Oh, I think I thought we got that out of the way to begin with. I yeah, recommend yeah. everyone read the book. I think it's it's a if anything, I think it's a staple. You should hmm. if you like reading, make it a part of your rotation. If you think you need help, make it a part of your rotation. If you just want something to pick up, you know, fuck it, make it a part of your rotation. I think this is a book that you can read time and time and time again especially when you need to get through certain times and moments in your life. I think all the lessons you learn here are applicable to every day. And, Mm. you know, until you, you memorize the book inside and out, maybe you can read it a couple more times. I might even give it a, I might go buy it and actually give it a read Mm -hmm. and like highlight and mark it up instead of just listening to it. So that just shows how much I think this book is a good one. What about you? Hey man, I agree. I recommend the book as well. Um, it was relatively like reasonable in length to read. It wasn't like the longest book. So with me personally, I feel like anytime a book can influence you in that way in a short amount of time means the author really did a great job. So shout out to the people who wrote the book. Um, and hey, man, on that note, we're going to get on out of here. Tom, have a great one, brother. I will see you soon. Until next time, guys, we're out of here, baby.
Peace. All right, brother. All right, man.